Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have Anuj Desai, who is the founder of Canverse, also like me, a podcast host, host of the Canvas Conversation, a very popular uh, Canvas podcast based out of the UK. And Anuj is also a lawyer who is a consultant to a number of the uh, firms in the industry across the UK, as well as an advisor. Welcome aboard, Anuj. Hey, Richard. How are you doing today? Very well. Very well. Thank you. And, um, you know, as we were chatting uh, just prior, you and I met a few years ago in London, and I think that would have been probably mid-2019. And and the world has changed a lot, but the industry has, you know, has evolved at a different pace than everybody thought. How are you seeing things over there? And how, what are you looking at and going and scratching your head about today? Yeah, a lot. Uh, firstly, thank you for having me on. It's, it's nice to be on the other side of the mic for once. Um, it's yeah, I think maybe we met in 2019. Yes, um, it's been a bit, bit slow. Um, I think everyone's kind of enthusiasm back then, I think, was probably kind of warranted uh, thinking that things were going to kind of open up. Uh, we legalized medically at the end of 2018 and uh, there was progression across Europe as well. And um, I think people were hoping for a lot more to happen. Um not much has happened in terms of medical. I mean, I'm going to be harsh there, but it's it, in terms of being able to access medical cannabis on the NHS, which is the, the national health provider, um, that's been you know virtually non-existent. So it's all private clinics. And yeah, and you know, that's it's a bit different, obviously, for um, for in the UK versus in the States or even in Canada, where the NHS, you know, the National Health Service um, is open to everybody. And it's government subsidized or government funded. <clears throat> so, you know, patients who need uh, medical cannabis are able to access it theoretically very easily, like any other medication. But in fact, they can't. And uh, there should be advantages in terms of the industry developing over there because of the NHS role. But it's not happening. Yeah. And it's a, a well, it's this kind of systemic issue in that the, um, yeah. the, the regulators haven't really endorsed it as a medicine. Doctors are just very unfamiliar with it and so unsure how and what to uh, prescribe. So it's very much through a private clinic model at the moment. And I think that the numbers are around 15,000 private patients, which is, which is which quite is tiny. tiny. Right out of population for the UK is what, 55 million? I think it's maybe 65. Oh, no, 70. 65. Yeah, England is 55. <laughs> I <should>. Sorry. <laughs> I should know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. But still, you know, it's a drop in the ocean, really. And, uh, and the only access to people that can afford it, which is which is which is really bad. And, you know, I, I, the, 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 the poster child has been in most countries has been sick children. And, and there's a lot yep. of them that have been denied medicine. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the thing you touched upon there, you know, the the doctors still are lacking in education, and you know, it's the cannabis firms are trying to educate some, but it's difficult because they're also leery of going too far ahead of the regulators because they don't want to have their hands slapped or lose any other parts of their business. But you know, the industry at the, as a whole, you know, people who started participating, all the investments that came into the industry, they were enthusiastic, as you said, but. There was also the fundamental belief based on all the analysts, and it was bank analysts, it was independent analysts and everybody else, that the market would be opening up and that really by 2021, there'd be easy access. It hasn't happened in most jurisdictions. Do you see that changing yeah. over there soon? 
Um, no, not I, if I'm honest. No, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of those analysts were a bit over optimistic and, mm-hmm. you know, they were slightly selling a dream. Um, I think these things move quite slowly. And in Europe, we're generally more conservative um, in, in our approach. It's, I mean, I always talk about this culturally. Cannabis, I mean, it probably has a similar level of usage amongst society as they do in North America, but it's just not talked about in the same way. You know, culturally in North America, you know, we've all grown up on American movies and there were always casual references to, to weed and reefer in, in even things like Back to the Future, for example. Uh, we, we never had that here. And so it's it, it happens, but it's not talked about. And so it's a much slower pace of change and, and societally it's it's more it's going to take a bit longer to accept, I think. Yeah, and, you know... And despite that, there's people, you know, like uh, I know a group on uh, over on Jersey who's building a facility right now. I think you and I both know uh, Ashley Stewart, who's working with them, and uh, and uh, it's run by Gerald uh, Fellows uh, Greenhouses and Properties and everything else. And you know, they're they're moving ahead aggressively. And I remember meeting with the government in Jersey, oh, three years ago at the, the regulatory framework. There's interest in and you know in local industry developing IP and which is really the long-term value. But the UK is out of step with the rest of Europe as well. And that's going to be an issue. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, France and the UK are probably the, the real laggards when it comes to, to medical cannabis in Europe. But it's still, even Germany, it's not a huge, it's not a huge area. And I think, you know, yeah. I think fundamentally, uh, cannabis flower is is difficult to comprehend as a medicine for for many doctors, and I it think is. there is uh, people just you know it's it's they don't really know what they are prescribing because different strains have different you know profiles etc. And so it can be quite confusing. I think if it starts to look a bit more like a medicine where there's sort of you know definite ingredients and and doctors start to get familiar with the 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 effects that those have and crucially there's data to sort of back it up then um that might change but i I don't think i don't think that's happening you you see with like you know gw and and sasvx and epidiolex these are things that that are more in the language that doctors speak and more the language uh, very narrow in terms of how they've been defined um and their application has you know been it's well documented specifically for that and you know one of the challenges is the molecule itself isn't different than you could get in another form. No, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's just it's the reassurance that I think doctors need, and I would like to see more companies investing in in research rather than production because I think there's probably enough supply out there. Um, consistent supply, I think, is the difficult piece because um, it's quite hard to to do that. You know, it is. It has been difficult, although, you know, with Colombia now being able to export soon, I mean, yes, people are talking about shipping, but for the most part, it hasn't really started. There's a lot of production coming online to supply everybody. And, you know, that's going to that's going to have an impact in terms of access to uh, standardized products, at least from a supply perspective. But, you know, as you said, though, the research part is where the, the laggards are. And uh, it's a bit shocking because, you know, Israel's been far ahead and has done a lot of work and everybody else knew it was coming, but they haven't been doing it. When you're running your podcasts and your discussions, how often do you have people coming on who talk about research and what are they looking to do that's going to be different? 
<laughs> well, I mean, funnily enough, to, this week's show is about cannabis versus opioids, and it's a bit of a clickbait title, but, yep. you know, opioids are uh, have been very useful for treatment of uh, acute pain, for sure, uh-huh. and, um, you know, uh, and are effective medications in, in a number of cases. It's the over-prescription of them in in areas where they're not really uh, that effective and cause addiction and you know uh, tolerance etc um that's uh, this problematic usage where where maybe cannabis can be um used as a substitute so uh the 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 show this week was talking about um you know the the, the this company's dr- developing some drug candidates to focus on on pain in a number of other areas uh, associated right. and that's that's incredibly important right i mean uh the fentanyl crisis uh, that we have over in North America, you know, as you have the same, it's just maybe under a different name, but it's horrific. I know, you know, I know people have passed. Um, I think we all know people in the news who have passed, but I think we also, most of us have a personal connection to somebody who's been directly affected by it. And it's, you know, it's in some cases it's abuse by doctors where they, they over prescribe or don't monitor and don't ask what else are you taking? And the result is, you know, the patient dies, and uh, there's no excuse for it. There are there are better alternatives. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's I think the U.S. healthcare system is it's incentivized in a slightly different way. I think to, yeah, to, to done in the in the UK. So it's a, it's a beast apart from almost everybody else in the world, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I think I read something crazy like the, the U.S. has twice as many prescribed drugs as the rest of the world put together, or something like that. It's yeah. Insane. No, I've read that, and and per capita, it is all. It's much so much higher. It's not even funny. It's more than twice as much per capita, and you know the insanity of it is um, you develop in a lot of the medications. People are developing uh, resistance, so when the superbugs start coming through, they're going to have the least resistance, and it's the medical system who's then going to be chasing its tail again to try and find a solution, and the people are the ones going to pay. Absolutely, you got to. As as with most things in the US, you got to follow the money, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it's which, it's, which it's, also drives a ton of innovation. No, exactly. Right. And if it's if it's going to the right places, then hopefully it's um, there's some good that comes out of it. But obviously, there's some very obvious downsides as well. Yeah. Well, there's. I think everybody will argue there's advantages and disadvantages to every system, right? Democracy is the worst system of government, but find me a better one, I think was what was the church who said that years ago or something along those lines. Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> so and there's, we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back in a minute on the Green Peak with the news to from uh, Canverse and the Cannabis Conversation. I'm Richard Zwicky. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Anuj Desai from uh, Canverse and uh, Canvas Conversation. Anuj, tell us the difference between, you know, Canverse, you're, you're a consultant within the industry, you're a lawyer by training, you've got Canverse, and of course, the Canvas Conversation, that's that's the podcast that's, you know, like this, it's not a standalone business, it's just, uh, in some ways, it's personal interest, it's edification, it's a lot of different things, and it's constant education. But, you know, the other, the other pieces are things you're tactically and strategically working with customers through tell us a bit about what those roles are yeah yeah so look I, I i was a lawyer in the media industry for most of my career and you know early midlife crisis wanted to do something else uh found um found out that actually there was more to cannabis than just sort of getting stone in the park and um mm-hmm. 
I sort of got got involved in and started going to conferences and then realized that no one was really doing a business podcast in Europe. So I, I sort of started that and now I'm 160 episodes in, which is it's been a, an amazing ride. And it's basically a passion project because I wanted to learn more and build a bit of a network. And, and I've managed to do that, actually, which has been great. So now it's about leveraging that and, you know, hopefully helping to join the dots because i think in these sort of emerging industries there's a lot of passion there's a lot of people that sort of want to dive in and you know there are some get rich quick people um and so i think (laughs) having having people that can help guide you is is where where hopefully i can be of use um you know and also what i really like about the podcast is you know you get to talk about medical but i also talk about cbd i talk about industrial hemp and i look at it from lots of different angles so it really helps to give quite a holistic view and um, and so we're working with a few people who are you know starting to look at research and clinical trials and sort of helping them get ready for that and and how can they differentiate effectively and that you know that's really key and you touched on something that's really uh very true you know the advantage of having one of these podcasts is we both get to speak to an incredible array of industry participants in different areas i spend a lot of time with people in compliance banking trade you know be it state or international boundaries how to move the product and to qualify you talked a bit about you know some of the different aspects of it that knowledge base is something that people who are working in one company and moving around don't normally get yeah and look i i i love that you know i can't tell you the number of topics that i've learned about agriculture mm-hmm. capital markets venture capital um regulation compliance banking yeah all of, yeah. All of these things it's it's insane because so many parts are touched by this particularly because i think of the the, the problematic narcotic history of, of the plant. Um, you, there's, there's even more than it just being a normal emerging industry. There's, there's all these extra obstacles you have to overcome. And so, yeah, you learn about shipping and, and whatever the things yeah. that, that happen in this kind of crazy supply chain. And, you know, even something as basic as how am I going to get paid? Normally, normally it's so simple, but in this industry, it's rocket science. And unless you've got somebody who's been through it and understands it, you're you're really screwed trying to get your money. Yeah, absolutely. Digital marketing is another one, right? You know, you've got Facebook and Google who really, you know, it, it, in the UK it's CBD, um, but they, they 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 don't like CBD. So um, you know, there's the dark arts of digital marketing, which uh, people kind of uh, are trying to sort of figure out ways around that. Yeah, no, there are there are a lot of ways around it, but it is challenging. Of course, you can't do the same paid advertising as you would have otherwise, and that that limits a lot of people because a lot aren't used to doing the content marketing and the SEO and you know the proper strategies that really build foundations of good sites. Sorry, that's my old background is building. <laughs> I've done a lot of <laughs> I've done campaigns up to about forty million dollars a year for uh, so you know the dark <laughs> I yes, I used to I used to know the dark cards very well. Then I went gray. <laughs> um yeah so um tell me a bit about the sorts of companies you're the companies you're advising they're mostly in the uk and they're Um, across the whole spectrum of the industry yeah mostly mostly in the uk but a couple in in north america um i do i do a mix of i still wear my lawyer hat um, right half the week 
um, yeah. as well. Um, and, you know, the North American bid is just uh, advising them a bit on what the UK and European landscape is is looking like, um, uh, which which I think is, you know, I think is quite necessary because it is quite a different market to 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 North America, the, the European market. It's, you know, it's it's much more medical and not just more medical, it's more sort of down the farmer route than um, than you have in North America. And, and that can it be, from, from a regulatory perspective, can be... Um, quite a difficult one to get your head around, I think. It is. And, you know, um, that's something which I keep observing is, you know, in North America or not, not in Canada, because it is a bit different, although it's Canada is a bit of a hodgepodge because of the way the industry's evolved. But the concept of medical and the, the way people refer to it is completely different than people use it in the UK. And I keep looking at companies in the US and talking to people and realizing they have, they're incredibly unaware of the wave that's going to hit them when legalization really hits and arrives. And the cost and expense of redoing so much in their facilities and their operating procedures to get it right. And how many of them should be starting today, but they're just making so much money hand over fist. Some of them, they don't want to bother stopping. And, it's like, but you could spend the same money, but do it right. <laughs> yeah, it's very, I mean, the, the, this this is inherent in this emerging market, and which is probably the most difficult thing, is very difficult to predict the pace of change. Um, and, I mean, other than you bank on it being slower than you hope for, um, yes. I think it's probably the only thing that I can say. So, for example, you know, everyone got very excited about Germany, um, and, and justifiably so, it's a positive move. Mm-hmm. But how long that takes to actually happen i think is um is up for debate you, you we hear some good news um good noises coming out but i mean if, if everyone remembers back to when biden and harris were elected we yeah. expected a lot coming out of that and and how much has happened in the states right um yeah so but biden similar- and harris they were relatively silent on it right i mean that's that's the thing everybody said yeah, people still they're going to go and still do got it excited though people still got yes. excited i mean the same kind of analysts and and public market CEOs who were really sort of pushing this good news story. And and I think, you know, uh, it's coalition government. We've got crazy inflation happening, got World War Three potentially happening. You know, all of these things which are just much higher up the food chain than, than cannabis reform, um, I think. And, and I think, you know, to go back to your original question at the very beginning, it, it, I, I, COVID is absolutely kind of really hampered the progression of this movement because I think there was some momentum prior to that. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to have this discussion and debate in the current climate, particularly after the crazy couple of years that we just had. After, yeah, after the past couple of years and, you know, the, I think everybody who was involved in 2018, 2019, especially financially, is jaded Um because things haven't happened as quickly and you know we all rush to to build things and you know and you know towards going public i mean i was in that race as well we built incredibly quickly which is good but the go public side of the business uh the market collapsed and that was tragic from uh from a certain perspective right we wanted to give our investors all their money back as quickly as possible or give them the liquidity option and unfortunately with the way the market went that, well, it couldn't happen then. Um, and that's been, you know, 
you always feel bad about it, but there's nothing you can do to control the rest of the market. But it does affect all of those people who are looking at investing again because they're jaded. And it takes a lot of fortitude to believe, yeah, it's still going to happen. Absolutely. And I think capital raising at the moment is is tough. I think I would imagine it's tough in a lot of spaces, but definitely tough in cannabis because a lot of people have got war wounds. But, you know, I would I would hope that we learn some lessons from Canada, but I don't I don't often see that. I think people I mean, the, the few IPOs that have happened in the UK have not been that successful. And um, yet I speak to companies uh, often and they're, they're talking about IPOs and I'm just I don't really understand it. It's not been a very successful or fruitful endeavor for a lot of people. And um, it's kind of a bit of a definition of madness to sort of think that it's going to change <laughs> given the current climate. And a lot of these companies are, you know, you know, minimal revenues. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a challenge for companies is, you know, it's not the question of going public because pu- going public is a funding event, right? It's a finance, like a financing round, except it's, you know, structured a bit different and you have a different level of scrutiny that comes into play during the process and after the process, which is great because that, that governance is fantastic for companies, but it is a funding route. Um, the challenge is your operating cost as a business goes up exponentially because of the requirements to continue to meet the exchange standards. And a lot of people don't really plan that out, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah. uh, you get companies which are minimal revenue or pre-revenue with no sight on, on revenue who don't raise enough and then don't budget enough or manage it for that long haul when the market takes, you know, doesn't go the way everybody plans. Yeah. And I mean, it's this short-termism that, that, that I referred to earlier. And, you know, I see a lot of people going over to psychedelics now and, and, and sort of seeing a similar theme in that kind of emerging space too yeah no there is a lot i mean uh i'm fortunate i've got participation in a couple of the companies through you know some advice i gave um and that's great and they were going public and then of course the war in ukraine started and everybody's ipo stalled which is incredibly challenging for them because that was their funding round that was their plan so now they're having to make you know the cash that was going to last them six more months they know has to last 12 or 18. Yeah. But yeah. hopefully the, you know, hopefully something happens in over there and the war ends soon because I think we'll see a big market resurgence and also a inflation will come back into line quickly. Yes, we all hope so. <laughs> we do. We do. I know we have to take one more break, but we'll sure. be back in a moment with a news Desai from uh, Canvas. I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with the news to Sai from Canvas. And was one of the things that, um, you know, we haven't talked about today and I hear less and less about, but it was a absolute nightmare through 2020, was Novel Foods and the way it was being looked at in the UK versus Europe and also how the classifications of CBD and cannabis as a whole changed four times. And as companies in the space, everybody had whiplash trying to figure out how to bring product to market. What's happening over there today? Because, you know, the, is it, it's still a mess, I know. But, but what, uh, what do you think is going to be the outcome? Ooh, I don't know how long we have. Uh, it's very much a moving, 
<laughs> so the Food Standards Agency, which is the, the kind of the relevant regulator, um, had uh, said that they were going to produce a list of companies that were allowed to continue selling. And that was due, oh, I think, last year in March. And right. it wasn't delivered until quite recently um, in the last sort of month or two, I think. And and then it was revealed that actually this wasn't even the final list. And so we've been told that there's an actual final list that's coming at the end of June, I believe. Um, now, whether you believe that's A, the date that it's going to come out or whether it's actually final. I, I'm jaded. I had the government of Colombia <laughs> tell me they were going to allow exports starting in February 2019. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. We're 2022 and we're still talking yeah oh yeah 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 um yeah so exactly and 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 so i think the fsa totally just underestimated the volume of people that the applications and that the the depth of of data that they'd have to analyze but nonetheless it's had a quite a bad effect on the market because mm-hmm. um you know some people got through some people didn't it was people are very confused about people that did get through and why some people didn't and and people spent a lot of money for these filings that really was exactly. wasted yeah, it's a bit of a crazy system that each person has to spend six figures uh, on on product to, to, to get it cleared. It's I think there's a there's an easier way to do that, and I I'm not you know no one really knows why they've gone down this route. Um, it's so I can't really clarify much other than that that there has been some progress, but again because it's been piecemeal, that actually puts the companies that haven't been given a decision at a at a disadvantage, obviously, and now. You know the big retailers that stock these these products are, are as confused as anyone else, and they're sort of saying, "Well, I need this this rubber stamp," and people are like, "I can't give it to you, or it's kind of conditional, or whatever." It's it's very confusing, and now we've a sort of side debate as well, which I think is kind of quite necessary for that CBD market is tolerable limits of THC um, allowed in because currently it's it's zero, and um, it's and that the recommendation of the acmd which is the council for misuse of drugs i don't know what the first letter stands for but um have come out with the very very low level which is just a bit ridiculous and um so there's there's discussions ongoing around that um and yeah you know and that's it's it's amazing to me because back in 20 late no, it must have been early 2018 i was over one of the times i was in the uk i was invited to uh Parliament and to the uh, there was a parliamentary commission looking at cannabis and health, and one of their discussions was that limit. And when meeting with the the various commissioners and the chairman and all the different you know people relevant, they were like, "Yeah, we're going to have this settled by summer, 2018." We're now four years out, and it's still. I mean, a discussion. it's highly it's highly political, right? It's not it really evidence-based and And that's that's one of the problems isn't it it's it's become it's a political issue as opposed to a factual issue yeah but i mean drug policy is right it's not um you know we don't need to go into the history of that but there there's a pathological fear of thc thc bad Mm -hmm. good and that's very much so in in uk and europe and that that kind of hinders this a lot it does and uh it's it's a hard one to overcome because even when you're speaking to some people who you know speak favorably about the benefits of you know elements of the plant for certain conditions as soon as thc comes up it's almost like they're they're panicking and running out of the room and it's it's not a book 
Yeah, and I think it is to sort of legitimise their participation in it. They want to distance themselves because right. they think they mention THC, people just think you're a lazy stoner and that you're just doing this for other reasons. And, you know, it's just a. I think people need to be a bit braver and actually extol the virtues of the whole plant and whatever yes. in synergy. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... I, but that's a challenge that I think has come through in so many areas of the world, right? It's it's something which has been, you know, has to be demystified. It's something which, you know, is a bit of a boogeyman. So much of the world has been so harshly against it without understanding why or the reasons. But slowly, slowly, element by element, people are becoming more and more accepting. And some areas, you know, when we hear that there's still areas that are unaccepting, we scratch our heads and why. And that's yeah. just the way the world is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, just as a kind of, you know, as we get towards the end, I, an area for me that of particular interest and I think slightly neglected is, is industrial hemp. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think sustainability is obviously extremely high up on the agenda now, and that could be a wonderful solution for a lot of issues in connection with that. So I'm yeah. personally quite a big proponent of, of that subsector of, of the cannabis family. Oh, industrial hemp is huge. I mean, look, historically, we used to make, use it for lines on ships, for ropes and, you know, the lines and everything, sheets and you name it. But also the cannabis plant itself, if you, once you have the biomass left over and you uh, you can chop it up, you know, and hash it up finely, you can add it in to, uh, with, um, you know, cement powder to make concrete and you're able to reduce the amount of sand needed and sand for construction is you know we think there's you know so much sand in saudi arabia and the beaches and everything else but there's four kinds of sand and the sand that's needed for construction is running short and we're not slowing down other construction but here's a massive use which will be environmentally friendly and it's able to be a carbon sink and lock it up and recover a major industrial problem yeah we can't and, touch it um, the hempcrete is you know i think if it was either was about to or has been passed in the US as a, an official material that is allowed to be used in the construction of houses. So yeah. um, that's a massive plus for 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 the hemp industry. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole plant can be used. You know, the, the waste biomass can be made into biochar and you know, yeah. uh, graphene for or a graphene substitute potentially for. Um, for batteries etc and you right. know, so there's, there's loads of, of stuff I, th I think with industrial hemp it's it suffers from pr issues really um in a in a similar way to cannabis but slightly less you know it's either people get it confused with cannabis or they think it's sort of hippie 70s kind of thing that's not taken seriously but you know again i think we're in a situation where we can't really mess around now we have to look at lots of different viable uh, alternatives to what we do and yeah i would and ignorance is no excuse no, absolutely. Right, no, and that's absolutely. unfortunately what we're dealing with a lot of the time. Absolutely. So, Anuj, unfortunately, we are out of time for today, but I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Green Peak. Thank you very and, much for having me on. Yeah, and I hope to have you on again at some point. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening again this week. We've been with Anuj Desai from Canvas over in the UK. I'm Richard Zwicky, and we'll chat again next week. Thank you. Cheers.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.